0: Welcome to Cowboy Ed. This is Maya and I'm saddling up my horse to head out to catch up with the rest of the crew. I've been out for a bit, but I am excited to get back on the Cowboy Ed trail. Before I head out, I want to introduce you to a really good friend of mine, Dr. Letha Melman. How are you, Letha?
1: I'm fantastic. How are you doing,
0: Maya? I'm doing well and I'm super excited that you can spend some time with us today. It's been a year that our K-12 kiddos have been working through remote learning And I think that they may be figuring it out just a little bit better than their teachers. Isn't that the truth? (laughs) I think they come from a little different generation. Do you agree? Yeah, I think so. And I heard that you've been doing some research about Generation Z and their learning.
1: I have. Actually, it started because I was looking at my own little laboratory of children in my home, and I noticed one day that they were learning in a very different way outside of school than my students were learning. And it got me thinking why are they learning one way in school and another way outside of school and why is it different Uh, so i started a study looking at those two differences in that online setting what are their preferences in academic settings and non-academic settings and so i set up a delphi study
0: to explore that so you just mentioned delphi study i think your study sounds really interesting but for us that are not so research savvy what is a delphi
1: study Oh, it's a wonderful history. If you have time, it's, it's worth looking up. If you're familiar with Percy Jackson, you might have heard of the Oracle Delphi from the Greek mythology. And that is actually where this type of study comes from. We're looking at future casting and looking at something that is not very well known. And what can we do to make it better in the future? And that is exactly what we wanted to do. So you get a group of experts that you identify. And in this case, it was Generation Z. And then you go from there asking questions until you come to a consensus. So kind of like a crowdsourcing, but with a specific targeted group of people. I love that. We don't ask our students enough about their own
0: learning and what they think. So I love that your research went right to the source and just asked them. They are the experts. Absolutely. So what did you find out about how Gen
1: Z learns? Actually, I found out a lot of things in our history. We believe that Gen Z, they really just love being online and they love videos and they love, love, love their phone. Those are true. However, it's not the way that we thought they did. What I found is that they want videos, but they don't really don't want just any video. They want something that is specifically made for them by their educator that really connects to what it is that they're learning and why they're learning it. They do like to use their technology and they feel like that is an integral part of who they are. So it's really important to them that they have that opportunity, but it's most important to them that they have a guide, whether it's academic or non-academic. They're looking for somebody that has this knowledge and will help them through their unique learning path. So that sounds like some really
0: good information that you um, found from your study. How would you use that? As a teacher
1: it's a great question actually this semester i took the big findings that i had that an educator should be a guide that it's important to build a relationship making sure we as educators set an appropriate workload meaning no busy work right our work is purposeful or if we're going to have them reading we're not just having them reading or do work for the sake of having them do it learning their individual why was really important what their motivation was for what they were going to learn increasing the regulations for search results it was really interesting that these students found that the search results that we think as adults they are just accepting they're not they understand that these are not all good and they need to know where they are so that's one of the things that they looked for creating videos and implementing deep learning pedagogies. I took all of these findings and tested them in the classes that I taught this semester. And what I found was that all of these are really important to Generation Z. That's so
0: interesting. And it's exciting that you just jumped right in and put it right into your class, you know, from that research to practice, just like that. And um, I'm really interested for you to explain an example. Um, so what does that look like? Let's
1: take video. Video is really, really important. The common thread through all of this is they're looking for that guide and video is one of the ways that we know they are to connect, right? We know they're watching videos endlessly on everything on YouTube and other form out, other inputs and outputs online. But what they're wanting from us though, isn't just a video that's explaining what's going on. They want something that's really purposeful and individualized for them or for the class when as educators we're able to give them that it creates a relationship it, it actually encompasses a lot of these recommendations just creating this video it makes them feel like you care about them it makes them understand what's going on from your perspective and why they should care about it so it's really an important um, component of teaching in an online setting so making all of those videos for your class for your students?
0: Do you make them individually for students? And that sounds like it takes a ton of time. It totally can.
1: And in the beginning, it absolutely took me forever. No, you really don't need them to take very long. Most videos, five minutes max. Now, if you're teaching them something very specific and you're walking them through the details of how to do that, it might go a little longer. Research has shown us that anything over about 10 minutes, you're gonna lose them anyway. So it's better to chunk it into smaller sections. The way that I have worked this is yes, sometimes I do give them very specific, individualized videos if they ask for it or if they're needing a little more support. Every module or every week, I create a new video for each class that I'm teaching and introduce kind of what we're doing, why we're doing it. If I have used videos that were already made, I kind of explain, this is why I chose these videos so that they know this is purposeful. I didn't just go out there and pick 20 things for you to watch and hopefully you catch something, right? It's very specialized for what they're doing. The other thing that I can do because I ask them about who they are in the beginning of the class, I can say, now anybody who's going in to research this or who is wanting to do this with things that we're learning in this class, here's a way you could do it. So by throwing in those little examples for them, they feel more connected and they're much more willing to give back.
0: That sounds like videos really changed the dynamic of your class a lot. So what do you think, you listed all of those findings, what's the most important one?
1: The number one finding is this idea of a guide. In online students, their success really hinges on this idea of a successful guide and this idea of the relationship. A guide is more than just somebody who's showing them how, they're really guiding them through this process in whatever that looks like for you as the educator and for your students. Nobody knows your students as well as you do if you're a successful guide. So it's really important that you take the time to figure out how both you want to guide and what your students are needing. So you've talked a lot about knowing your
0: students and using who they are in your class and these videos and even guiding them on different paths. So how do you build relationships at a distance? And did you find anything in your study that gave you any insight to that, especially when you're teaching, you know, at a asynchronously, right? So you don't
1: have them all at the same time. Yeah, that's a great question. And the answer is it's not perfectly clear. It is a muddy, this is something that's new and we're working on, so it's not perfect. What I have found that works really well is to check on them. So they know, one, that they're gonna get those videos. I set up right in the beginning, I am always available. And for me, the time that I picked my office hours for them in that online world, are a couple hours before any assignment is due so that one, they can ask me questions, just pop in, and there is time for them to work on it alone after, before they have to turn it in. I found that works really well. Then knowing when I'm available outside of like the traditional set hours of the class, whether you're asynchronous or synchronous, that seems to help them. And then again, just taking that time to get to know them even just asking one question, what is it you want to do? And of course, if you're talking to K-12, maybe they're gonna be a rock star. Well, that's great. If they're gonna be a rock star, then how can I help them use whatever I'm teaching them? And by connecting that for them, and I don't have to connect everybody in the class, if I just connect one student, because we are having these videos and the students to not they get to watch those videos, they connect to each other and then they connect to me. And by keeping that world together, everybody feels like we're together, even though we're miles and miles apart. So you're making videos mm-hmm. that are instructional and that are connecting
0: with students. The students are making videos. So they're responding and then everyone can see that. So it's it's almost like a Zoom busted into a million pieces, right? <laughs> yeah. I love it. Um, I think that's an amazing way to build that connection when you can't all come together at the same time. So your research worked with the older half or older end of Generation Z. K-12 spans, you know, a lot of grades. So do you think that these findings and strategies also apply to the younger part of Generation Z, who would be our elementary students right now?
1: Absolutely. The students I looked at were 18 to 19, so they were kind of in the middle upper end of Gen Z, depending on that definition that you're looking at. And I chose them specifically because they're getting into that online schooling pre-COVID if they chose to, right? Most people were still face to face. So these students had some expertise and the ones that were in my academic, they, they were the experts, right? They'd had enough classes that they knew what that game was. They knew what it looked like to be in an online class. My others who weren't, were just getting online to learn all by themselves. It was something they were just doing because they wanted to. And in our younger K-12, We're finding that those are the ones, like in my own little lab at home, they're the ones that are instantly, oh, I have a question, let me go ask Google. I'm gonna go talk to Siri. I'm gonna look it up online. They love this idea of sharing out and finding information and having this relationship with whomever they're learning from. So the videos, for example, work really well because they're getting the feedback they need and that guidance, and then they have that opportunity to share it back with their class, with their teacher, and they love that. They really just excel when they have this opportunity to say, here's what I learned. Here's how I learned it. Let me share it with you and kind of take that moment of pride and of ta-da. <laughs> right. Yeah, I love it. And
0: they have that ownership of their learning yes. and they're willing to to bridge that and put the information back out there for others. So that's, that's amazing. Your research has so many insights that we can take as teachers and apply. And it sounds like it can span a really um, large range of the K-12. So we're coming to the end of our time. Letha, it has been so great to talk with you. And as we wrap up, what is one idea that you want
1: our listeners to try or take away from today's conversation? Your superpower is you. All your flaws, all of your imperfections and everything that you're passionate about, bring it. Because your students, that's what they're wanting and what they're looking for is the real you. And if you bring that to the classroom, you're gonna be unstoppable wonderful i i just love all
0: of this advice and what a comfortable way to teach just be you well we want to hear your comments and questions so please connect with us on twitter if you have questions for letha or have a topic that we should be talking about check us out at cowboy ed pod talk to you soon move them on head them up cowboy ed is on the run